there's a reading by Elia Kemmler that I first came across a decade ago, and it's been with me all week this week, for reasons different than when I first read it. And this is how it begins. At a minister's retreat, someone read a passage about why ministers make people feel uncomfortable. <laughs> is it because we dress in earth-colored clothes? Or when we shake hands with people, we hold their hands just a second too long and gaze into their faces and say earnestly, how are you? <laughs> All the ministers in the room howled with laughter at the accuracy of this picture. But the passage went on to say that the real reason people find ministers weird and don't really want us to come to their parties, even if they invite us, <laughs> is that we are too comfortable with death. A few days ago, I was at a party with some new friends of mine, folks who aren't members of this church. Um, as far as I can tell, don't go to church much at all. And one of them asked, Oscar, you keep saying you're really busy, but what do you do during the week? <laughs> Don't you just work on Sunday? <laughs> and, and before I thought better of it, uh, before I even thought about what I was going to say, I, I said, uh, in the last week, we've had three people die. One long-term member, one child of a former member, and one member of the community who was looking for a place to hold a memorial service. And as my new friend's eyes got wide and he ever so slightly backed up in his chair at Applebee's, I remembered that reading by Elia Kemmler. The only way to get over life is to die, the poet writes. And part of being a religious community is being present at all stages of life, to births and new life, to the joining of lives together in partnership or marriage, and inevitably, at the end of life, through gatherings, funerals, memorial services, celebrations of life. Since I started at this church 28 months ago, I have presided at over 20 end-of-life ceremonies. And it's not just me, members of this church have sat with those at the end of their lives. Members turn up for memorial services to help to bring baked goods. Plenty of members grieve their own losses. All month in October, we're talking about belonging. What it means to belong to a church, to a faith, to a democracy. And so now at the end of the month, we turn to this. At the end of life, what does it mean to belong to each other? The last service that a church provides its members is about belonging. This is a place for a memorial service, yeah, but it is also a place about memory and story. At each of the 20-odd memorial services I've done since coming here, I've said, some variant of this. Unitarian Universalism makes no claim about what happens after death. The answer to that question lies with each of us and our conception of the divine. 
And so at the end of life, our services are not about what happens next. They are about telling the story of a person who lived, who we loved, and who is no longer here. Our faith makes two big claims that each person is of almost infinite worth, has inherent worth and dignity, and that we are all interconnected. So at the end of a life, we gather to recognize the departure of one that we loved and to say that their life touched ours and to tell their story. To me, the, the answer to that first question, the one about what happens after death, is ultimately unknowable. It's the place where my personal agnosticism is, is most self-assured, if that's a thing. But there's a line from Doctor Who, which is a British science fiction series, if, uh, if you don't know it, that sums up what I do know. The main character, the doctor, says that at one point, we're all just stories in the end. Make it a good one. We belong to a place where our stories mingle with that of the gathered community. If in the end we are just stories, then there is a kind of immortality as long as our story is told. And this is a thing that churches do because it's not just the story of Bob and Sally Stoddard or Ada Munson or Tim Francis or Ginny Gross. It's the story of what they were a part of creating here in Lincoln, Nebraska. At this church, these people, belonging and memory are tied together as they belonged here in life, so they will always belong to the story of this place. So I talk about that this weekend instead of at a memorial service. In the traditional Christian liturgy, each day is named after a saint. There is a feast day on each day of the calendar. Valentine's Day, famously, is the feast day of St. Valentine, famous for presiding over clandestine marriages in sewers and catacombs, now <laughs> celebrated with chocolate and Hallmark cards. <laughs> He'd be happy with it. <laughs> St. Crispin's Day, famous not for St. Crispin, but for a bit of Shakespeare. Christmas Day, which is fairly literally Christ Mass Christmas. And in this way of organizing the calendar, November 1st is set aside as All Saints Day, or sometimes All Souls Day. And it's a time not to remember one single exceptional saint, but all who have gone before, whose lives echo in our own. As a quick etymology break, saints are hallowed. So an alternative form of this for November 1st is All Hallows Day. The night before, when it was said that less saintly spirits come out, becomes All Hallows Eve, or Halloween, or Booth the Zoo. <laughs> 
that's another couple steps in language. All Souls is a name with, with resonance in our tradition. Universalists preached the redemption of all souls. Universal Unitarians, in a nod to their democratic traditions, often named their churches not after a single saint or concept, like St. Paul's or Trinity, but All Souls Church. Indeed, before it was renamed to the fairly descriptive Unitarian Church of Lincoln, this congregation was All Souls Church. So each year, we set aside one Sunday in late October or early November to remember and to talk about what it means to die. So hear this poem by Sarah Freelay. It's called Wondrous. I'm driving home from school when the radio talk turns to E.B. White, his birthday. And I exit the here and now of the freeway at rush hour and travel back into the past where my mother is reading to my sister and me the part about Charlotte laying her eggs and dying. And though this is the fifth time Charlotte has died, my mother is crying again and we're laughing at her because we know nothing of loss and its sad math. How every subtraction is exponential, how each grief multiplies the one preceding it. How the author tried 17 times to record the words, she died alone. 17 times and a short walk, during which he called himself ridiculous, a grown man crying for a spider that he'd spun out of the silk of imagination. Wondrous how those words could come back and make him cry. And yes, wondrous to hear my mother's voice 10 years after she died. The catch, the rasp, the gathering up before she could say to us, I'm okay. We gather at the end of life at churches for two reasons, I think. The first is belonging. To belong to a church is insurance in some ways that we will not be alone, that there will be people who miss us and mourn our passing. To be a place where our story joins with a broader one. And the other reason is that this is a place where we can be honest about life. To be a human being is to know two things, that we are alive and that we will not always be. And so to be honest about that, to place it on the table and look at it together is a bold thing that churches can do. It turns out that the real reason people find churches weird and don't really want to come to our parties is that churches can be too comfortable with death. A lot of our popular culture ignores death. Sometimes this is passive, an action movie where a character dies, the other characters mourn for 45 seconds, and then everything goes on. 
and sometimes it's active, products and activities that promise youth and by extension delay death ad infinitum. It's almost like a blind spot. Clearly something is there, but we don't want to look too closely at what it is or what it would mean for our lives. And so I hope that here, in this community, we can look at the end of life for what it is, a part of life. When people that we care about die, we know them, we mourn them. We know loss and its sad math, how every subtraction is exponential. I hope also that this is a place where we have hope, assurance even, that in belonging to this place, we have a place for our story to rest and be told. Assurance that even after we die, there will be some Sunday in late October when the congregation takes some time to reflect on those who were with us and were no longer. And I hope that even in the midst of talking about death, we remember that today, right now, we are alive. We are all just stories in the end. Make it a good one. Amen. <laughs>